Babbel.com, language for life. Why Babbel? When you want to learn a new language, you want to be able to actually use it. With real people in the real world, every part of Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Designed by pros, lessons with realistic scenarios designed by over a hundred linguists. Use what you learn. Interactive dialogues that get you speaking confidently. Learn on any device. Compatibility with most devices with lessons that are only 10 to 15 minutes. Remember everything. Reviews that bring back everything you've learned. Number one selling language learning app. Download the app today on Start Learning Language for your everyday life from the App Store or Google Play. Choose how you learn. To start with Babbel, choose a plan that works best for you. Babbel app <coughs> subscription. Get unlimited access to hundreds of award-winning lessons designed for all learners based on level and time commitment. Babbel live subscription. You'll have access to live virtual classes taught by top language teachers available at the variety of days, times, and levels, plus access to all Babbel online lessons. People love Babbel. Thousands of five-star reviews. Publications love Babbel. The Wall Street Journal, Business Insider, CNN, Forbes, The New York Times, Washington Post, US Today, CNET. You can choose from the following languages, Spanish, French, German, Italian, Russian, Portuguese, Turkish, Dutch, Swedish, Polish, Norwegian, Indonesia, and Danish. Over 10 million subscriptions sold. Plushcare.com Healthcare that makes you smile. Virtual primary care and mental health treatment when you need need it. Get personalized high quality health care by taking talking to top US medical doctors all from the ease of your smartphone. Care for you and the ones you love most. High quality. Plushcare's highly skilled online doctors are trained at the top 50 U.S. medical schools with an average of 15 years of experience. Plush Care's online doctors give you and your entire family the peace of mind you should expect from your health care provider. Convenient. Just book an appointment, chat via video on your smartphone, and pick up your prescription from your pharmacy. Plush Care's advanced technology is integrated with most major insurers, labs, and pharmacies. Affordable. Talking to an online doctor has never been easier and more affordable. For just your copay or $99 per visit, you could get quality care from one of our of PlushCare's highly skilled online doctors. PlushCare's in-network with most major insurers in the U.S. and provide care in all 50 states. Over 450,000 patients cared for. Good morning. Hope you're enjoying your Memorial Day weekend. Hope you're ready for U.S. President number 16, Abraham Lincoln, Part 1. Abraham Lincoln, February 12, 1809 to 18, April 15, 1865, 
was an American statesman and lawyer who served as the 16th President of the United States, 1861-1865. Lincoln led the nation through its greatest moral, constitutional, and political crisis in the American Civil War. He preserved the Union, abolished slavery, strengthened the federal government, and modernized the U.S. economy. Lincoln was born in poverty in a log cabin and was raised on the frontier, primarily in Indiana. He was self-educated and became a lawyer, Whig Party leader, Illinois State Legislator, and U.S. Congressman from Illinois. In 1849, he returned to his law practice but became vexed by the opening of additional lands to slavery as a result of the Kansas-Nebraska Act. He entered politics in 1854, becoming a leader in the new Republican Party, and he reached a national audience in the 1858 debates against Stephen Douglas. Lincoln ran for president in 1860, sweeping the North in victory. Pro-slavery elements in the South equated excess with the North's rejection of their right to practice slavery, and Southern states began seceding from the Union. To secure its independence, the new Confederate States of America fired on Fort Sumter, a U.S. fort in the South, and Lincoln called the forces to suppress the rebellion and restore the Union. As the leader of moderate Republicans, Lincoln had to navigate a contentious array of factions with friends and opponents on both sides. War Democrats rallied a large faction of former opponents into his moderate camp, but they were countered by radical Republicans who demanded harsh treatment of the Southern traitors. Any war Democrats called Coverheads despised him, and irreconcilable pro-Confederate elements plotted his assassination. Lincoln managed the factions by exploiting their mutual enmity, by carefully distributing political patronage, and by appealing to the American people. His Gettysburg address became a historic clarion call for nationalism, republicanism, equal rights, liberty, and democracy. <coughs> Lincoln scrutinized the strategy in Texas in the war effort, including the selection of generals and the naval blockade of the Southern trade. He suspended habeas corpus and he averted British intervention by defusing the Trent Affair. He engineered the end of sla to slavery with his Emancipation Proclamation and his order be that the army protect escaped slaves. He also encouraged border states to outlaw slavery and promote the 13th Amendment to the United States Constitution, which outlawed slavery across the country. Lincoln managed his own successful re-election campaign. He sought to reconcile the war-torn nation by exonerating the secessionists on April 14, 1865, just days after the war's end at Appomattox. He was enjoying a night at the theater with his wife, Mary, when he was assassinated by Confederate sympathizer John Wilkes Booth, his marriage had produced four sons, two of whom preceded him in death, with a severe emotional impact upon him and Mary. Lincoln is remembered as a United States martyr hero. He is consistently ranked as the greatest U.S. president. Family and Childhood Early Life Abraham Lincoln was born on February 12, 1809, the second child of Thomas Lincoln and Nancy Hanks Lincoln, in a one-room log cabin on Sinking Spring Farm near Hodgenville, Kentucky. He was descended of Samuel Lincoln, an, English, an Englishman who migrated from Hingham, Norfolk, to his namesake Hingham, Massachusetts in 1638. The family then migrated west, passing through New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. Lincoln's paternal grandfather and namesake, a Capert Abraham Lincoln, moved to the family from Virginia to Jefferson County, Kentucky, and was killed in an Indian raid in 1786. His children, including eight-year-old Thomas Abraham's father, witnessed the attack. Thomas then worked at odd jobs in Kentucky and Tennessee before the family settled in Hardin County, Kentucky in the early 1800s. The heritage of Lincoln's mother, Nancy, remains unclear, but it is widely assumed that she was a daughter of Lucy Hanks. Thomas and Nancy married on June 12, 
1806 in Washington County and moved to Elizabethtown, Kentucky. They had three children, Sarah, Abraham, and Thomas, who died in infancy. Thomas Lincoln bought or leased farms in Kentucky before losing all but 200 acres, 81 hectares of his land in court disputes over property titles. In 1860, the family moved to Indiana where the land surveys and titles were more reliable. Indiana was a free, non-slaveholding territory and they settled in an unbroken forest in Hurricane Township, Perry County, Indiana. In 1860, Lincoln noted that the family's move to Indiana was partly on account of slavery but mainly due to land title difficulties. In Kentucky and Indiana, Thomas worked as a farmer, academic, and carpenter. At various times, he owned farms, livestock, and town lots, paid taxes, sat on juries, appraised estates, and served on county parole patrols. Thomas and Nancy were members of a separate Baptist church, which forbade alcohol, dancing, and slavery. Overcoming financial challenges, Thomas eventually obtained a clear title on June 6, 1827, to 80 acres, 32 hectares of land in Indiana into what became known as Little Pigeon Creek Community. Mother's death. On October 5, 1818, Nancy Lincoln died of milk sickness, leaving 11-year-old Sarah in charge of her household that included her father, 9-year-old Abraham, and Dennis Hanks, Nancy's 19-year-old orphan cousin. Ten years later, on January 20, 1828, Sarah died while giving birth to a stillborn son. Lincoln was distraught over his sister's death. On December 2, 1819, Thomas married Sarah Sally Bush Johnston, a widow from Elizabethtown, Kentucky, with three children of her own. Abraham became close to a stepmother whom referred to as Mother Lincoln. Uh, referred to as Mother. Lincoln disliked the hard labor associated with farm life. He was called lazy for all his reading, scribbling, writing, ciphering, writing, poetry, etc. His stepmother acknowledged that he did not enjoy physical labor but loved to read. Education and moved to Illinois. Lincoln was primarily self educated with intermittent formal schooling from traveling teachers. Of less than 12 months aggregate, he became an avid reader and retained a lifelong interest in learning. Family, neighbors, and schoolmates recalled that his reading included the King James Bible, Aesop's Fables, John Bunyan's The Pilgrim's Progress, Daniel Defoe's Robinson Crusoe, Mason Locke, Weems' The Life of Washington, and the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin. As a teen, Lincoln took responsibility for chores and customarily gave his father all earnings from work outside the home until age 21. Lincoln was tall, strong, and athletic, and became adept at using an axe. He was known for his strength and audacity after winning a wrestling match with the renowned leader of a group of ruffians known as the Clary Grove, Clary's Grove Boys. In March 1830, partly out of fear of another milk sickness outbreak, several members of the extended Lincoln family, including Thomas, moved west to Illinois, a free state, and settled in Macon County, 10 miles, 16 kilometers west of Decatur. Abraham then became increasingly distant from Thomas, in part due to his father's lack of education. Nevertheless, his old he occasionally lent Thomas money. In 1831, as Thomas and other family prepared to move to a new homestead in Coles County, Illinois, Abraham struck out on his own. He made his home in New Salem, Illinois for six years. Lincoln and some friends took goods by flatboat to New Orleans, Louisiana, where he was first exposed to slavery. Marriage and Children Lincoln's first romantic interest was Anne Rutledge, whom he met when he first moved to New Salem. By 1835, they were in a relationship but not formally engaged. She died on August 25, 1835, most likely a typhoid fever. In the early 1830s, he met Mary Owens from Kentucky. Late in 1836, Lincoln agreed to match with Owens as she returned to New Salem. Owens arrived in November 1830, and Lincoln courted her for a time. However, they both had second thoughts. On August 16, 1837, Lincoln wrote Owens a letter suggesting he would not blame her if she ended the relationship. She never replied.
1840, Lincoln became engaged to Mary Todd, a daughter of Robert Smith, Robert Smith Todd, a wealthy slave owner in Lexington, Kentucky. They met in Spring, Illinois in December 1839 and were engaged a year later. A wedding set for January 1st, 1841 was canceled at Lincoln's request, but they reconciled and married on the November 4th, 1842 in the Springfield mansion of Mary's sister. While actually preparing for the nuptials, Lincoln was asked where he was going and replied, To hell, I suppose. In 1844, the couple bought a home a house in Springfield near Lincoln's law office. Mary kept house with the help of a relative and hired servant. Lincoln was an affectionate husband and father of four sons, although due to his work, he was regularly absent from home. The oldest, Robert Todd Lincoln, was born in 1843 and was Lincoln's only child to live to maturity. Edward Bacon Lincoln, Eddie, born in 1846, died February 1, 1850, probably of tuberculosis. Lincoln's third son, Willie Lincoln, was born on December 21, 1850, and died of fever at the White House on February 20, 1862. The youngest, Thomas Tad Lincoln, was born on April 4, 1853, and survived his father but died of hot fire at age 18. On July 16, 1871, Lincoln was remarkably fond of children, and the Lincolns were not considered to be strict with their own. In fact, Lincoln's law partner, William H. Herndon, would grow irritated when Lincoln would bring his children to the law office. Their father, it seemed, was too often was often too absorbed in his work to notice his children's behavior. Herndon recounted, "I have felt many and many a time that I wanted to wring their little necks, and yet, out of respect for Lincoln, I kept my mouth shut." Lincoln did not know what his children were doing or had done. The deaths of their sons, Eddie and Willie, had profound effects on both parents. Lincoln also suffered from melancholy, a condition now thought to be clinical depression. Later in life, Mary struggled with the stresses of losing her husband and sons, and Robert committed her temporarily to a mental health asylum in 1875. Early career in militia service. In 1832, Lincoln joined with a partner, Denton Olfutt, in the purchase of a general store on credit in New Salem. Although the economy was booming, the business struggled, and Lincoln eventually sold his share. That March, he entered politics, running for Illinois General Assembly, advocating navigation and improvements on the Sagamon River. He could draw crowds as a raconteur, but he lacked the requisite formal education, powerful friends, and money, and lost the election. Lincoln briefly interrupted his campaign to serve as a captain in the Illinois militia during the Black Hawk War when he returned to his to his campaign and first speech, he observed a supporter in the crowd under attack, grabbed his assailant by his neck, by his neck and the seat of his trousers, and tossed him. Lincoln finished out eight out of thirteen candidates. The top four were elected. Though he received two hundred seventy-seven and three hundred votes cast in a New Salem precinct, Lincoln served as New Salem's postmaster and later as county supervisor, but continued his voracious reading voracious reading, and decided to become a lawyer. He taught himself the law with Blackstone's commentary, saying later of the effort, I studied with nobody. Illinois State Legislature Lincoln's second state house campaign in 1834, this time as a Whig, was a success over a powerful Whig opponent, then followed his four terms in the Illinois House of Representatives for Sagamon County. He championed construction of the Illinois and Michigan Canal and later was a canal commissioner. He voted to expand suffrage beyond white landowners to all white males, but adopted a free soil stance opposing both slavery and 
abolition. In 1837, he declared the institution of slavery is founded on both injustice and bad policy, but the promulgation of abolition doctrine tends rather to increase that abate its evils. He echoed Henry Clay's support for the American Colonization Society, which advocated a program of abolition in conjunction with settling freed slaves in Liberia. Admitted to the Illinois Bar in 1836, he moved to Springfield and began to practice law under John T. Stewart, married Todd's cousin. Lincoln emerged as a formidable trial combatant during cross-examination and closing arguments. He partnered several years with Stephen T. Logan and in 1844 began his practice with William Herndon, a studious young man. U.S. House of Representatives, 1847-1849. True to his record, Lincoln professed to friends in 1861 to be an old line Whig, a, dis- a disciple of Henry Clay, their party favored economic modernization and banking, tariffs to fund interna- internal improvements, including railroads and urbanization. In 1843, Lincoln sought the Whig nomination for Illinois' 7th District seat in the U.S. House of Representatives. He was defeated by John J. Hardin. Though he prevailed with the party in limiting Hardin to one term, Lincoln not only pulled off his strategy of gaining the nomination in 1846, but also won election. He was the only Whig in the Illinois de- de- delegation, but as dutiful as any participant in almost all votes and made speeches that vetoed the party line. He was assi- assigned to the Committee on Post Office and Post Roads and the Committee on Expenditures. In the War Department, Lincoln teamed with Joshua R. Giddings on a bill to abolish slavery in the District of Columbia with compensation for the owners, enforcement to capture fugitive slaves, and a popular vote on the matter. He dropped the bill when he eluded Whig support. Political views. On, on foreign and military policy, Lincoln spoke against the Mexican-American War, which he imputed to President James K. Polk's desire for military glory, that attractive rainbow that rises in showers of blood. He supported the Wilmot Proviso, a failed proposal to ban slavery in any U.S. territory, one from Mexico. Lincoln emphasized his opposition to Polk by drafting and introducing his spot resolutions. The war began with the Mexican slaughter of American soldiers in territory disputed by Mexico, and Polk insisted that Mexican soldiers had invaded our territory and shed the blood of our fellow citizens on our soil. Lincoln demanded that Polk show Congress the exact spot on which blood had been shed and prove that the spot was, an American so- was on American soil. The resolution was ignored in both the Congress and the national papers, and it cost Lincoln political support in his district. One Illinois newspaper derisively nicknamed him Spotty Lincoln. Lincoln later regretted some of his statements, especially his attack on presidential war-making powers. Lincoln had pledged in 1846 to serve only one term in the House, realizing Clay was unlikely to win the presidency. He supported General Zachary Taylor for the Whig nomination in 1848 presidential election. Taylor won, and Lincoln hoped in vain to be appointed commissioner of the General Land Office. The administration offered to appoint him secretary or governor of the Oregon Territory on as consolation. This district territory was a Democratic stronghold, and acceptance of the post would have disrupted his legal and political career in Illinois, so he declined and resumed his law practice. Prairie Laurie, Lawyer In his Springfield practice, Lincoln handled every kind of business that could come before a prairie lawyer. Twice a year, he appeared in 10 consecutive weeks in county seats in the Mid-State County Courts. This continued for 16 years. Lincoln handled transportation cases in the midst of the nation's western expansion, particularly river barge conflicts under the many new railroad bridges as a riverboat man. 
Lincoln initially favored those interests, but ultimately represented, represented whoever hired him. He later represented a bridge company against a railroad company in a landmark case involving a canal boat that sank after hitting a bridge. In 1849, he received a patent for a flotation device for the movement of a boat, the movement of boats in shallow water. The idea was never commercialized, but it made Lincoln the only pres- president to hold a patent. Lincoln appeared before the Illinois Supreme Court in 175 cases. He was sole counsel in 51 cases, of which 31 decided in his favor. From 1853 to 1860, one of his largest clients was the Illinois Central Railroad. His legal reputation gave rise to the nickname Honest Abe. Lincoln argued in an 1858 criminal trial defending William Duff Armstrong, who was on trial for the murder of James Preston Metzger. The case is famous for Lincoln's use of a fact established by judicial notice to challenge the credibility of an eyewitness after an exposing after an exposing witness testified to seeing the crime in moon, in the moonlight lincoln produced a farmer's almanac showing the moon was at, at a low angle drastically reducing visibility armstrong was acquitted leading up to his presidential campaign lincoln had elevated his profile in an 1859 murder case with his defense of simeon quinn peachy harrison who was a third cousin Harrison was also the grandson of Lincoln's political opponent, Reverend Peter Cartwright. Harrison was charged with the murder of Greek Crafton, Crafton, who, as he lay dying of his wounds, confessed to Cartwright that he had provoked Harrison. Lincoln anger protested the judge's initial decision to exclude Cartwright's testimony about the confession as inadmissible hearsay. Lincoln argued that the testimony involved a dying declaration and was not subject to the hearsay rule. Instead of holding Lincoln in contempt of court as expected, the judge, a Democrat, reversed his ruling and made the testimony into evidence, resulting in Harrison's acquittal. Republican Publicans, 1854 to 1860, emerges as a Republican leader. The debate over the status of slavery in the territories failed to alleviate tensions between the slaveholding South and the Free North. With the failure of the Compromise of 1850, a legislative pact is designed to address the issue. In the 1852 eulogy for Clay, Lincoln highlighted the lack of support for gradual emancipation and opposition to both extremes on the slavery issue. As the slavery debate in, the, in Nebraska and Kansas Territory became particularly acrimonious, Illinois Senator Stephen A. Douglas proposed proper sovereignty as a compromise. The measure would allow the electorate of each territory to decide the status of slavery. The legislature alarmed many Northerners who sought to prevent the resulting spread of slavery, but Douglas Kansas Nebraska Act narrowly passed Congress in May 1854. Lincoln did not comment on the act until months later in his Peoria speech in October 1854. Lincoln then declared his opposition to slavery, which he repeated en route to the presidency. He said the Kansas Act had declared indifference, but as I must think a, co- a covert real zeal for the spread of slavery, I cannot but hate it. I hate it because of the monstrous injustice of slavery itself. I hate it because it derives a Republican example of its just influence in the world. Lincoln's attacks on, on the Kansas Nebraska marked his return to political life. Nationally, the Whigs were irreparably split by the Kansas Nebraska Act and other efforts to compromise on the slavery issue. Reflecting on the demise of his party, Lincoln wrote in 1855, I, I think I am a Whig, but others say there are no Whigs, and that I am an abolitionist. I do more than oppose the extension of slavery. The North the new Republican Party was formed as a Northern Party 
dedicated to anti-slavery, drawing from the anti-slavery wing of the Whig Party and combining free soil, liberty, and anti-slavery de Democratic Party members. Lincoln resisted early Republican treaties, fearing that the new party would become a platform of extreme abolitionists. Lincoln held out for held out hope for rejuvenating the Whigs, so he lamented his party's growing closeness with the nat nativist Know Nothing movement. In 1854, Lincoln was elected to the Illinois legislature but declined to take a seat. The year's election showed the strong opposition to the Kansas Nebraska Act, and in the aftermath, Lincoln sought election to the United States Senate. At that time, senators were elected by the state legislature after leading in the first six rounds of voting. He was able to obtain a majority. Lincoln obstructed, instructed his back to vote for Lyman Trumbull. Trimble was an anti-slavery Democrat who had received few votes in the earlier ballots. His supporters, also anti-slavery Democrats, have vowed not to support any Whig. Lincoln's decision to withdraw enabled his Whig supporters and Trimble's anti-slavery Democrats to combine and defeat the mainstream Democratic candidate Joel Aldrich Matt Madison. 1856 Campaign Violent political confrontations in Kansas continued, and opposition to the Kansas Nebraska Act remained strong throughout the North. As the 1856 elections approached, Lincoln joined the Republicans and attended the Bloomington Convention, which formally established the Illinois Republican Party. The convention platform endorsed Congress' right to regulate slavery, and turned and backed the admission of Kansas as a free state. Lincoln gave the final speech of the convention, supporting the party platform, and called for the preservation of the Union. At the June 1850 Republican National Convention, though Lincoln received support to run as Vice President John C. Fremont and William Dayton comprised their ticket, which Lincoln supported throughout Illinois. The Democrats nominated former Secretary of James of State James Buchanan and the Know Nothings denominated former Whig President Millard Fillmore. Buchanan prevailed while Republican William Henry Bissell won the election as Governor of Illinois and Lincoln became a leading Republican in Illinois. Dred Scott was a slave whose master took him from a slave state to a free territory under the Missouri Compromise. After Scott returned to the slave state, he petitioned a federal court for his freedom. His petition was denied in Dred Scott v. Sanford, 1857. Supreme Court Chief Justice Roger B. Taney in the decision wrote that blacks were not citizens and derived no rights from the Constitution. While many Democrats hoped that Dred Scott would end the dispute over slavery in the territories, the decision sparked further outrage in the North. Lincoln denies it as the product of a conspiracy of Democrats to support the slave power. He argued the decision was at variance with the Demo Declaration of Independence. He said that while the founders did not believe all men equal in every respect, they believed all men were equal in certain inalienable rights, which among, among which are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Lincoln-Douglas debates and Cooper Union speech. In 1858, Douglas was up for re-election in the U.S. Senate, and Lincoln hoped to defeat him. Many in the party felt that a former Whig should be nominated in 1858, and Lincoln's 1856 campaigning and support of Trumbull had earned him a favor. Some Eastern Republicans supported Douglas from his opposition to the Lecompton Constitution and admission of Kansas as a slave state. Many Illinois Republicans resent presented this Eastern interference. For the first time, Illinois Republicans held a convention to agree upon the Senate candidate, and Lincoln won the nomination with little opposition. Accepting the nomination, Lincoln delivered his house-divided speech with the biblical reference, Mark 3.25. A house divided against itself cannot stand. I believe this government cannot endure. 
Permless half slave and half free. I do not expect the union to be dissolved. I do not expect the house to fall. I do expect it will cease to be divided. It will become all one. It, it will become all one thing or all the other. The speech created a stark image of the danger of disunion. The stage was then set for the election of the Illinois legislature, which would in turn select Lincoln or Douglas. When informed of Lincoln's nomination, Douglas stated, "Lincoln is a strong is the strong man of the party, and if I beat him, my victory will be hardly won." The Senate campaign featured seven debates between the two. There were the most famous political debates in American history. They had the atmosphere akin to a prize fight and drew crowds in the thousands. The principles stood in stark contrast, both physically and politically. Lincoln warned that Douglas. Slave power was threatening the values of republicanism and accused Douglas of distorting the founding fathers' premise that all men are created equal. Douglas emphasized his free port doctrine that local settlers were free to choose whether to allow slavery and accused Lincoln of having joined the abolitionists. Lincoln's argument assumed a moral tone as he claimed Douglas represented a conspiracy to promote slavery. Douglas' argument was more legal, claiming that Lincoln was defying the authority of the U.S. Supreme Court in the Dred Scott decision. Though the Republican legislative candidates won more public, popular votes, the Democrats won more seats, and the legislature re-elected Douglas. Lincoln's articulation of the issues gave him a national political presence. In May 1859, Lincoln purchased the Illinois Staatsanzeiger, a German-language newspaper that was inconsistently supportive. Most of the state's 130,000 American German-Americans voted Democratic, but the German-language paper mobilized Republican support. In the aftermath of the 1858 election, newspapers frequently mentioned Lincoln as a potential Republican presidential candidate, rivaled by William H. Seward, Simon P. Chase, Edward Bates, and Simon Cameron. While Lincoln was popular in the Midwest, he lacked support in the Northeast and was unsure whether to seek the office. In January 1860, Lincoln told a group of political allies that he would accept the nomination if offered, and in the following months, several local newspapers endorsed his candidacy. On February 27, 1860, Prof. New York Post invited Lincoln to give a speech at Cooper Union, in which he argued that the Founding Fathers had little use for popular sovereignty and had repeatedly sought to restrict slavery. He insisted that morality required opposition to slavery and rejected any groping for some middle ground between the right and, wrong, and the wrong. Many in, in the audience thought he appeared awkward and even ugly. But Lincoln demonstrated intellectual leadership that brought him into contention. Journalist Joe Noah Brooks reported no man ever made no man ever before made such an impression on his first appeal in a, to a New York audience. Historian David Hubert Historian David Herbert Donald described the speech as a superb political move for an unannounced candidate to appear in the in one rival's Seward's own state at an event sponsored by the second rival's Chase Loyals, while not mentioned either by name during its delivery. In response to an inquiry about his ambitions, Lincoln said, The taste is in my mouth a little. Stay tuned for part two of U.S. President number 16, Abraham Lincoln.